Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 33 with the legendary Tony Carlston. Tony is a true pioneer in Cutco history who evolved into the number one sales rep in the company in 2006 and 2007. He has been the leading force in developing the company's gift consultant program, which has already generated over $200 million in revenue. In this short snippet, Tony identifies the qualities or attributes that are common among highly successful salespeople. He also shares some elements of his own leadership style that he learned from some key mentors in the Vector business. Last, he references a few quick benefits of the career sales opportunity with Cutco, particularly as it pertains to becoming a gift consultant. To learn more about this opportunity, check out our full conversation at episode number 33 and ask your division or region manager how you can set yourself on this path. Please help spread the philosophies and strategies of Cutco Vector by sharing this and other episodes of this podcast with people in your network. The podcast is available for free on just about all podcast players. All episodes, guest bios, and show notes can also be found at changinglivespodcast.com. And you can support our podcast sponsors by clicking on the link marked deals on the podcast homepage. Okay, here's Tony Carlston. You've worked with a number of really highly successful salespeople here in Cutco, sure. coach them, develop them. You yourself are an amazing salesperson, not just for Cutco, but just in general, as an influencer, as a communicator, mm-hmm. uh, you're powerful. I wanted to get into what you see as some of the skills, traits, qualities of the most highly successful salespeople. What are some things that anybody who's in sales can chew on that they can begin to develop and work on to be as successful as you've been? Sure. I think some of the fundamental things is to really become a student of whatever it is you're selling. You have to know what you're talking about. And because when you have that depth of certainty, you come across, your conviction comes across and your power comes across. And at its essence, I believe sales is just simply a transfer of enthusiasm from one party to another. So if everyone is as excited about Cutco as I was, everybody would own Cutco. So my personal belief was back in my residential days, I had to use the knives. I had to use them a lot. I had to use them in appointments. I had to use them outside of appointments. I needed to know what every knife was for. I need to spend the time in the back of the training manual, like learning, uh, you know, even to this day, it's been a long time, but I think verbatim word for word, the hearty slicer is a hefty blade for heavy duty slicing and dicing for party platter foods, great for slicing cheese, pepperoni, sausage, hard to cut fruits and vegetables and disjointing fowl. Like I haven't been done a residential appointment in 15 years, but that was so ingrained in who I was in terms of what the product was, what it was for, that it became second nature to not only talk about it, but talk about it with conviction, be excited about it and use it myself, which then when I was with customers, it was very comfortable 
because there was no lack of conviction and there was no lack of value there. Meaning I really felt like, and I still do, that's an amazing value what we sell and I'm helping people by getting it. And I always felt that I was a good buyer's agent, meaning I'm working with them. It wasn't ever an across the table, who's going to win this? They're going to buy or not buy and it's going to be the winner. It's, I'm here to help. What are your needs? Let's figure it out. Let's talk about something exciting and uh, let's get to know each other. And, you know, I think rapport building is really important. I think a lot of people overlook that. It's far easier to work with people if they like you. And if you let them talk about themselves, they like you automatically more. So just the basic things like talking about people. So looking around their house, looking at pictures, talking about travel, talking about their pets. People love their pets, their plants, just different things. Building that rapport, letting them talk about themselves. If they like you, they are a million times more likely to buy and buy a lot because then you're building a relationship and you're there for the right reasons. I also think that something's really important is you can't be a needy salesperson, meaning you have to get your life together. You need to save some money. You need to not have your next sale be dependent on your mood, your mood dependent on your next sale rather. So where I could go out in a week and I could sell five grand, 10 grand or zero, and I should go into my next appointment the exact same way. I also think state management's really important. Every single residential appointment I ever did, I blared pink, let's get the party started right before I went into the appointment in the car because it got me in the right mindset, regardless of what garbage was going on in my life, to walk into that appointment, be in a good state, have fun, share what we do, get a lot of referrals. You don't get a lot of referrals, guess what? You're either not asking or they don't like you. Maybe work on your likability, right? So have some fun use some good skill. The tools are all available. So that was always my thing. Like I can learn how to do this. I can be excited and I can have fun with this and I can follow the program and get good results. So those things, state management is really important. I think some fundamental things people miss in general in life is the basics. Like, am I exercising? Am I drinking enough water? Am I sleeping? Am I doing these things that really affect how you carry about? I think some people sleep three, four hours a night and they're cranky all the time and they think it's their situation. Well, maybe they just need to sleep. Maybe they just need to eat better. Maybe they need to exercise and their whole world would change. So I think dialing into that is really important as well. Yeah, so much to unpack right there, Tony. I mean, starting with just health basics and making sure that uh, you know people are taking care of themselves. Without that, nothing else that we do is going to put us in a position to really succeed at a high level. Right. Um, your idea of, you know, being a student of what you're doing and developing product knowledge and the, the depth of certainty that you're helping people, benefiting people. One of my last guests just talked about what she learned from Cutco was the, the difference between how people view selling and what it really is, which is helping people. And that if you believe in what you're doing, you believe that it has value, you're helping people. And that, you know, when she started her own business, she had to be asking people to pay, you know, her large dollars for the value that she was bringing to their organization, to their team. And, and that, uh, what enabled her to do that was thinking back to selling Cutco and just the fact that she believed in what she was selling there and that she was helping people. And I think that's just such a great point for people to consider who are in any form of sales, whether it be selling a product per se or selling their own service is how much do you believe in what you are doing for other people? Because if, if that depth of certainty is there, then you're far more powerful in communicating and influencing people. I couldn't agree more. Another point that I thought about when you were finishing what you were saying is keeping your childlike playfulness alive, having fun and laughing with customers and joking around and all of that 
that childlike curiosity and fun really plays to results. When I think of our top performers in our company at any level, most of them are really good at that. Uh, you don't want to have people at the end of your presentation, whatever your presentation is, whether it's with Cutco or elsewhere, to be exhausted. You want them to feel like they just had so much fun and this was great. I just went yesterday or day before and bought a new couch. And the guy was a new couch salesman. He'd been doing it for like two months. And he was so excited and wanted to tell me all about everything. And at the end, I was like, that was great. Like that was such a good experience, right? And that's, I think, how sales should be. Like you were just talking about, it's helping people, but are you having fun while you're doing it in your own way? Yeah, that's a great insight. And you're definitely somebody that's always demonstrated that in just the way that you are. I know that, you know, in watching you speak at events or, you know, working with people, you demonstrate that childlike playfulness and you demonstrate that you're having fun and enjoying what you do. And, and I think that has a, that plays into the, what you said about state management, right? Because when you're having a good time and you're enjoying what you do, it's, it's making you feel good inside, right? And that helps you overcome whatever negative things might be going on in life or challenges you're facing and things like that. So so that was really powerful as well. And, and I also like what you said about how you, you can't be needy, that your, your mood cannot be dependent on your next sale. In fact, it's the other way around. It, it, you know, one of the guests I had on the podcast was Andrew Bosworth, who is one of the biggest executives at Facebook to this day. And he actually talked about one of the things he learned in his couple summers with Cutco, his experience selling was that he found a direct one-to-one -one correlation between one's attitude, one's mindset, and one's results, and that it was attitude that affected results. It wasn't the other way around. Sure. And that, uh, you know, when you bring the right mindset to your day, when you bring the right mindset to your experiences, you're putting yourself in a position to succeed and being able to find the ways to do that, whether it's blasting your favorite song or whatever else it is that you do, finding ways to help impact and control that mindset where you're feeling good, feeling confident, feeling inspired, expecting to succeed. That's critical for sure. I couldn't agree more. Are there elements of your leadership style in running your business that you feel like you can trace back to observing Isaac Tolpin? Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Isaac and John Kane are probably the two most influential in terms of molding how I view things and work with people. I remember distinctly works, running Isaac's office and being late night parking lot conversations in front. And uh, one of the things he said that will always stick with me is I was ranting and upset about something. He goes, you need to remember that it's not about you. And the more you can own that it's not about you, the more power you'll have in fixing the problem. So uh, how I equate that into being an entrepreneur now is it's all about me, meaning full ownership, right? So when someone makes a mistake in my company, if I just say, well, it's their fault, and I'm mad, and rah, 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 well, that doesn't fix any. That's me just getting upset. It's giving away my power. So if I take ownership and say, okay, well... They're a reflection of me, my training, my leadership, my guidance. And if they made a mistake, there's errors to this human, but I built a lot of redundancy into this. How can I, as a leader, make sure this doesn't happen again? I've really found that the quality of questions you ask yourself is maybe the biggest determining factor of success 
with anybody. Let's say you have two people that want to lose weight. One person says, why am I so overweight? They both have the goal of losing weight. And your mind goes, well, it's because you eat a lot of garbage and you, you don't exercise and blah, 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 blah. The second person goes, well, what are some things I can do to lose some weight? And your mind goes, oh, well, you could start exercising every day for 30 minutes. You can drink more water and you can cut out sugar. And you can do this. Both people have the same goal. Both people ask some questions, but both people uh, will get different results based on the quality of questions they're asking themselves. So I'm very aware of the quality of questions I'm being asked and the quality of questions, more importantly, I'm asking myself. And if there's something that will be productive or if I'm looking just to be upset. Mm, that was really good, Tony. Thank you for those insights. I feel like that was really valuable. Just uh, the idea of taking full ownership and then, of course, the quality of questions that you're asking yourself. It, it, our questions direct our focus. And our questions set us on a path before we even find the answer. It sets right. us on a path, on a direction. And, and a lot of times people ask themselves questions that set them on a path that's not going to lead to a good place. It's going to lead them to answers they don't want. Right. Learning to retrain our minds to ask ourselves the right questions is a critical element to success for sure. So awesome. That was great. Well, so Tony, you know, the theme of the podcast is changing lives. And as you look into the future for yourself, you know, how do you aspire to change people's lives through your work or through your influence? I think how my impact will be defined long-term will be how many people are still with our business, which is a great business, and how many people are making a great income while really living the lives they want to live because the residual piece of that is built in. So once you're selling two, three, four, five hundred thousand a year and two or three hundred thousand, that's repeat business. You take a week or two off to go do something that's really important to you, whether travel or take time to spend with your family or whatever it is, and your sales still roll in. It's pretty exciting. And then so I really feel like that's going to be part of my impact and legacy, because I think we're going to continue building a lot of people into those spots. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.